Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, friends, we're going to do something a little little different this morning. Uh, Cord, my friend Cord, is going to help with the message, and uh, we are going to continue in our series. It's called The Songs of Christmas. So we're going to talk about some of the songs of Christmas. And we're going to start, of course, as we always do with the Scripture. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 1. We are reading verses 26 through 33. So you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen as I read. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. May God add his blessing to the reading and the understanding and the doing of his holy word. Amen. 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 Good morning again, friends, and welcome. And uh, we are in our series. It's called The Songs of Christmas. Chord. Talk to us about Christmas music. Why is Christmas music so important, do you think? Uh, I just want to say your, your dinosaurs look great, man. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes, so uh, if you want to get a suit like this, just see Dr. Trey Woolwine for okay. all your dental and wardrobe needs. I'm surprised it fits you. Oh, well, you, you rolled know. it up. You rolled it up at the bottom. I did. I had to roll <laughs> the pant legs. He's like 6'4", so. And you're not. I'm not. No. Uh, that's great. Yeah, so, so Christmas music. My fault, man. Sorry. Uh, whatever. I have little effects in my voice right now, too. It sounds really cool. They're, I think they're gone now. Great. Okay. All right. You don't get that today. No. Uh, sorry. Christmas music. Christmas music. Um, Christmas music is... It, like, it transcends ages. You know, it, um, it can go from... It's been going on for years and years, uh, which is nice and neat because I think it's, it's, we're all able to grasp it in our yeah. own way. Um, we have kind of a history with it. But I think that can maybe kind of hinder our understanding of what we're actually saying and singing. And so that's why I've loved this series uh, the last two weeks and today as well, I hope. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, but no, I, I think... <laughs> up to you, man. I, know, up, nah, I don't know, bro. <laughs> um, you play a part in this too. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to jump into this song especially uh, because it, it is so deep and in, in, in some depth. Yeah. And so, yeah. Amen. Yeah. So we're talking about Hark the Herald Angels Sing today, friends. We've done O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We've done O Come, All You Faithful. Next week we're going to do Silent Night, Holy mm-hmm. Night. Uh, but today is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The music for this song was written by, does anybody know? Felix Mendelssohn. And the words, anybody know who wrote the lyrics to this song? Charles Wesley. Someone uh, said it. Patrick, Charles Patrick Wesley. 
Oh, Patrick Ragland. Well done, buddy. Good. Charles Wesley. Charles, the little brother of John Wesley, who we give credit for founding the Wesleyan movement. But Charles was no slouch. He was right there as a leader with his brother John, and it took a whole group of them, a whole team, to lead this movement that became the Methodist Church, that became the Nazarene Church, and AME and AME Zion, and dozens and dozens of part of the, the holiness movement, the Wesleyan movement. Um, so Charles had a curious life. I don't know how much you know about Charles. I, I did a little research this week. He married a woman named Sally when he was 42 and she was 23. Okay. So I thought that was interesting, pretty significant age gap. And his father-in-law, I learned his father-in-law's name, and I know this is true because I read it on Wikipedia. His <laughs> father-in-law's name is Marmaduke, which what? I thought was interesting. Hmm. Marmaduke? Do you guys know any Marmadukes? Can, do, oh, you do? The dog. The dog. Yeah, the comic strip, yeah. Can you imagine, like, Thanksgiving, Marmaduke? Like, hey, Marmaduke, will you pass the, you know, the stuffing down? Like, like that's just... That's, yeah, it would take me a while to warm up to that name. It's so unusual. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. So Charles Wesley wrote, like, 9,000 hymns, friends. Like, just such a prolific songwriter. Uh, Cord, what are some of the Charles Wesley songs that we might recognize? So, like, the most famous ones would be, like, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. That one. Yeah. Um, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Uh, Come that long expected Jesus, which is another great uh, Advent song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, love divines, all love excelling. That's a good one. I yeah. think that's one of my favorites. I think my, that's one of my mom's favorites as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. So it would be hard to overstate his influence as a songwriter. Yes. When it comes to our hymnal, friends, uh, about sixty-five of the hymns in our hymnal were written by Charles Wesley. So just a ton of influence on the church. And I tell you what, we've had this conversation. We may not be United Methodist for a lot longer because of the split that is coming in our denomination. But if and when that happens, I'm taking the hymnal with me. I'm keeping this book because it is so good. And not just because it's familiar. Yeah, the songs are familiar and that's heartwarming. But because they are excellent theologically. The hymns that you, some of us have grown up singing tell the story of our faith We sometimes say we have a sung theology, right? We sing our faith. And this is part of Charles Wesley's goal in writing these songs. He understood that a lot of people were illiterate. They could not read and write. And so he was trying to get the message of the Scripture into the hearts and minds of people. And he understood something about human behavior, which is it's sometimes hard to memorize words, but you set those words to a song, and now you're going to remember them forever. Right, And so he put the words of the gospel story into the minds and hearts of people by setting it to music. So I love the hymn. I hope we'll hold on to this, this forever. So on Christmas Day in 1738, Charles Wesley is walking to church on a Christmas morning, and he hears the London church bells ringing, and he is inspired to write the words of this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So, Court, let's talk about the musical quality of this song. What does it feel like to you? Uh, when, we, when, when we sing the song, I feel like it's very like celebratory, um, very kind of high energy, you know. Um, it's also very like depth and, and almost, how, let me say this, it's, it's very accessible from like a group singing it together. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the tune, the, the melody is very kind of simple and easy. Um, yeah, talk it, about the chord structure. Yeah, so the chord structure, you know, it uses your normal, oh, hold on, let me turn this thing up. So like one, three, four, five. One, four, five. You're like your standard thing. And what's interesting is like uh, a lot of hymns do that. Like they keep like the same kind of chord structure. And the same thing for a lot of like contemporary worship music that we kind of wrote on from as well. Uh, Like, how great is our God? Sing to me how great is our God. How great, how great is our God? Like the 
same chords over and over again. Uh, a lot of people say you could, if you learn G, C, and D, uh, you can pretty much play any uh, <laughs> modern worship song or right. pretty in much any, or any him. hymn. Yeah. Or him, exactly. Yeah. Uh, same thing for like, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, uh, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your Classic. praise. Yeah, yeah. Classic. Classic, exactly. Good. So the same thing with... Yeah. Like the, the same thing. It's, it's using the one, four, five. And yes, they'll throw a minor key in there every now and then. But it's very exclamatory, very uh, you know, uh, celebratory, uh, happy, bright. Kind of it thing. is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, friends, this song is not only bright and lively and fun, but it's also deeply meaningful. The, the theology in this song is just tremendous. And um, so let's, I want to share a little backstory to kind of help you appreciate how I've come to think about this song. Um, one of my friends in ministry is a guy named Dr. Stephen Shaner. He was the organist and choir director at the first church where I served as the associate pastor at Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. And um, Stephen would play the organ, and it was beautiful. I, just, I remember doing weddings with him, and I didn't really want the wedding to start because I was just enjoying listening to him play the pipe organ. And he was playing Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, and Canon in D, and he was playing trumpet voluntary and these incredible pieces for the organ. Um, but anyway, Stephen would go on these rants and raves, and one of the things he raved about was this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And he said that uh, when he was in graduate school, one of his hymnology professors, did you know there is such a thing as a professor of hymnology? News to There me. is. Yeah. There is. So one of his hymnology professors, a guy named W. Thomas Smith, Dr. Smith used to say, if for some reason all of the Bibles in the whole world were destroyed, and if every Christian person forgot the story of Jesus, forgot the gospel, we could rebuild it if all we had was the three verses of this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That it's, it's that good, it's that dense, it's that theologically meaningful. And so in this one song, we get at least a half a dozen names for Jesus. We get the story of the incarnation. We get the, the story of the humanity of Christ, of the virgin birth. We get teaching on his divinity, his lordship, the good news of our salvation, the resurrection of the body. We get uh, the new birth, God's final victory, and his reconciliation with his people. All of this theological density. So it, with that in mind, Cord, what, what jumps out at you when you think about this song and the words of this song? Well, for me, the first word, hark. Like, you know, what does that even mean? You know, yeah, that's, that's, so, right. that's not in my normal language. Uh, not yet. You know, maybe I'll throw it in there. But like, hark is one. Uh, Harold even. You know, uh, I know a guy named Harold, but like, that's, right. like there's not, you know, the actual Harold, what I think we're singing here, uh, isn't there. Uh, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed. I mean, that's pretty deep. Um, the incarnate deity. Like, these are terms that I'm, I'm excited to flesh them out um, today. Yeah. No pun intended. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. Okay, so, that, hark. What man. does hark mean? Do you know? Listen. It means listen, okay? And a herald is a what? A messenger. Good. Okay, so the messenger angels are saying, listen. So this is the song, friends, that is announcing the good news of Jesus. I think that's the point of this particular carol. The, the angels are announcing the good news of Jesus. So imagine like the town crier ringing the bell, tri-corner hat saying, hear ye, hear ye, is the good news of Jesus. So that's kind of the function of this song. The angels do it. And then I think by extension, we're invited to participate in that. Not only on Sunday morning when we sing, but then how we live out in the world, right? To, the, to embrace this song is to live it out with our words and our deeds to announce the good news of Jesus. And so the reason that we read from Luke 1 is because this is kind of the, the core of the story of this song, the angel announcing 
to Mary that she is going to bear a son, that she is highly favored by God, that this child will be named Jesus and that he will be great and called Son of the Most High God and that this is a fulfillment of the prophecies. So uh, any Bible scholars, do you know what the name of this passage of Scripture is called in Luke 1? It's called the Annunciation. The Annunciation. Okay, so this is an announcement, friends. This is the announcement of the good news of Jesus who is being born. So briefly, I think, if you look at the, all three verses of this song, they are about reconciliation, incarnation, and resurrection. Okay, so let's take these one verse at a time and talk about it. So verse 1 is about reconciliation. See if you can see it in the Word. So let's put verse 1 up on the screen, and let's read this together as a poem. Okay, ready? Here we go. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. So like Cord said, this is really upbeat. Look at all the exclamation points, right? This is a song that is to be shouted and sung with energy and vigor because the angels are announcing the good news of Jesus. And the good news is right there in line four. Do you see it? God and sinners reconciled. Friends, this is the good news of the story of our salvation. Um, Think about what you know about the creation. God made Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, everything was perfect and right, yeah, until they disobeyed God. And they got kicked out of the garden. And now all of a sudden, because of their sin, there's a separation between humans and God. Now, we have continued that story, have we not? By our own sin, by our own sin, we have separated ourselves from God. Look at Isaiah 59, verses 1 to 2. Put it on the screen here. It says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Okay, God can save you. Nor his ear too dull to hear. God can hear you. But your iniquities have separated you and your God. Do you know what iniquity means, friends? Sin. Sin. uh, Because of our sin, we have been separated from God. Imagine standing at the rim of the Grand Canyon. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? It's awesome, right? Imagine standing at the rim of the Grand Canyon. You're on one side and God is on the other. And on your side is death, and on the other side is life. Except this is a special Grand Canyon because it's bottomless. You cannot walk across. You cannot take a donkey and ride across. There is no way for you to get across from your side to the other. That is the story of our separation from God because of our sin. And so how can we get across? Well, there's only one way, right? We need someone to make a bridge. And that is someone is Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus can do for us. This is why him coming to earth matters. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul put it like this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Friends, this is the good news of Christmas. In Christ, God is not counting our sin against us. He's forgiving us. In Christ, he doesn't even see your sin. Instead, he sees the righteousness of his son because you are washed in his blood. Amen. Amen. So this is the good news of Jesus. God and sinners reconciled, reunited because of Jesus. Let's sing, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do verse 1. Can you put verse 1 on the screen? Here we go. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. 
peace on earth and mercy mild god and sinners reconciled joyful all ye nations rise join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim christ is born in bethlehem hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king amen yeah. i love to hear y'all sing that's so good okay verse two let's put up verse two let's read it like a poem let's read it all together out loud okay you ready christ, christ by highest heaven, heaven adored christ the everlasting lord late in time behold him come offspring of a virgin's womb veiled in flesh the godhead see Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Cord, what do you notice? So the first thing I notice is it says uh, Christ, God in flesh, uh, came to earth as a human. Like, whoa, like that's a, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty deep. Um, it, it, we're, we're talking pretty heavy stuff in this whole verse. Um, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see Man, this is our salvation, like coming down to earth. Like that's that's pretty remarkable. Amen. Yeah. And very very deep, like very dense. Uh, I think uh, as as what this verse is really. It is dense. Yeah, Charles doesn't play around. He's like trying nah. to keep up with the brother John. He's like, look, I can do theology too. <laughs> He's hitting it pretty <laughs> so, hard right here. Yeah. So like, see, see, I did it. And yeah. it is. It's dense. And so this is incarnation, right? If the first verse is about reconciliation, this verse is about incarnation. The idea that God is taking on flesh. And so here's how it happens. Um, some, some sort of mysterious phrases. Look at the third line. Late in time. There, okay. Reconciliation, incarnation, good. Okay, the third line. Late in time. What does that mean? Anybody know what that means? It means in the last days of the story of our salvation. It, okay, so when we think about Christmas, it's a long time ago, right? Because we live on this side of the incarnation. But imagine the Jewish people who waited for hundreds and for thousands of years for their Messiah to come. And every year, their ancestors, their grandparents told them the story, God is going to send his Messiah one day, one day, one day. And you were waiting, and you were waiting, and you were waiting. And finally, Jesus shows up. Late in time, finally, in the last days, he comes, right? Another thing about this verse, um, verse or line five, veiled in flesh. Do you know what it means to be veiled? What does it mean to be veiled? Covered. covered, right? Hidden. Like imagine like a bride on her wedding day, right? With a veil covering. She's hidden. So in Christ, God is hidden in disguise, right? Who expected God to show up as a human being? Not just as a human, but as a little baby, right? God in disguise. God is veiled and yet also being revealed. But there's another really important biblical idea of the veil. Think about what you know about Israel's worship. Think about what you know about the temple. In the temple, People would have gathered out here in what's called the nave, in the the gathering space. But then back here where the drummer sits, that's the Holy of Holies, okay? (laughs) So that's where Stephen, not only Stephen Wright gets to be there, but they thought God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the worship space, there was a huge curtain that was called what? The veil. The veil. The veil, because they understood that you cannot just come and hang out with God. 
Because if you looked at God, you would die. And so only one time a year, one person was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest and only after all the rituals of purification. And they tied a rope around the high priest's waist. And do you know why they tied a rope around his waist? In case he died? In case he died, (laughs) they would pull him back out. Because like, dude, he looked at God and he died. I'm not going in there. So we're going to pull him out with the rope. This is a true story. So Jesus is crucified. And he dies on the cross, and the story says when he died and took his last breath, do you know what happened to the veil? It was torn in two. Mm. It was ripped. The veil was torn apart, which is a physical, symbolic understanding of a spiritual reality that in Christ, the barrier, the division between God and us is being torn apart, friends. We are, God is coming close to us. The veil is torn. Veiled in flesh, you can see the whole Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit showing up in the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That is just awesome. And all of that is right there in, in the song, in the song. Let's sing it, shall we? Yeah, we'll sing this one a little bit slow. A little slower yeah, so we can yeah. really get the words. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold Him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity, pleads with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Amen. Amen. All right, let's talk about verse 3, friends. Just one more verse. Verse 3, put it on the screen. We're going to read it out loud together. Ready? Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. Cor, what do you notice? Uh, the first thing I notice is the son of righteousness. So it's not S-O-N. Like for some reason I thought it was for uh-huh. so many years. Right. It's S-U-N, son of righteousness. And then I see a lot about being born again. Um, seems like it's not just us being born again. Uh, like Christ was, was born again as well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to unpack the son of righteousness part. Yeah. And then um, so much about birth, new birth and um, yeah, yeah, amen, amen. So this verse is about resurrection. So put up the three themes of the three verses again on the screen. Okay, verse one, reconciliation. Verse two, incarnation. Verse three, resurrection. Okay, mm-hmm. so as we're unpacking and listen for themes of resurrection, this idea of new life. Okay, put verse three back up there. So as Cord said, son of righteousness, some of us thought maybe it should have been S-O-N because Jesus is the son of God, and yet it's S-U-N. Now notice S is capitalized, which tells you what? It's a proper noun. Okay, this is the name of Jesus that the prophet Malachi gives him. Jesus is the son of righteousness. So now compare Jesus to the sun that hangs in the sky. Okay, think about similarities. Okay, what does the sun do every morning? 
rises. It rises, doesn't it? It starts a new day, a new life, a new moment. What does the sun give us? Light and warmth. Sustenance. Sustenance. We would not have photosynthesis without the sun, right? The green things could not grow. There would not be anything for us to eat unless Mm. the sun is shining. And so think about the way in which Jesus is the light and life of the world. He is the sun of righteousness. Makes sense? It's great. Yeah, it is good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Okay, so, um, oh, one more thing about the sun. Pastor Matt reminded me of this this week. In Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, do you know it says that in heaven there is actually no sun at all? So how do you understand that? Where does the light come from? Jesus is the light of the world. He doesn't need any help in heaven. Jesus, the Lamb, is the light of the city of God, is what Revelation says. So I thought that was a neat tidbit, try to get your head around this idea of Jesus, the Son of Righteousness. Um, so he, like the sun, rises, and he is, look at the last three lines, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Friends, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And we recognize in the song, Jesus is actually born again. He's twice born. So he's born once on Christmas. He dies on Good Friday, and on Easter Sunday morning, he is born again. Jesus is raised from the dead so that we can be raised. Friends, this is the good news of our salvation, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I love how this verse makes the connection between Christmas and Easter, that the baby born on Christmas, yes, he's cute and cuddly, but this baby's going to grow up, and he's going to become a man, God in the flesh, and he's going to die for you, and then he's going to rise again. He has a purpose. He has a purpose for us. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we sing? Yeah, I want you guys to sing this really loud and really like excitedly. Really loud. Here we go. Can we do this? I think so. Here we go. Hail the thoughts. So what, what do you hope that we do with this song, having you know, spent some time unpacking it, Cord? So for me, it is the depth of it. Um, but I think an, an overall arching theme is that lyrics matter. Like what we sing matters. Um, it, it, it's not just uh, a nice tune or a nice, fun, upbeat song. Or what, it, it, what we're singing about our faith and what we believe, or at least what we say we believe, um, matters. You know, the, the authenticity of our action of praise, of our, of our singing, has to be clear and, and, and on, with a purpose. I mean, a, a friend of ours, Janet, I don't know if she said it this morning or not, but she said it this week. She said, if we fully believed what we say we believe, it would be evident. It, it would be evident in how we live out our faith. And so maybe there's a question, like, do we really believe what we say we believe? Because if we, if we did, we wouldn't really have to say anything at all. We would just pretty much live that life. 
Amen. Amen. So we pray for the power and the grace of God to indwell us so that as we go from this place, we can live out the words of this song and of the scripture on which it's based, friends. This song is all about announcing the good news of Jesus. So I'm inviting you with me in cord that we would go and announce the good news of Jesus by how we live and by what we say so that the whole world will know what Christmas is all about. Amen. 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 We're going to invite the band to come back up. And as they do, friends, I want to pray for you and for all of us. Let's pray together, shall we?